Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Fire values. And I know that Mark shared with you last week about the Father's heart. And so FIRE is an acronym that um, our network of churches, Partners in Harvest, uses um, to describe our core values. And so our core values are Father heart, intimacy, restoration, and extending the kingdom. And normally, if we were going to do this, and they ask me, so Kathy, what would you like to share on? I would say, extending the kingdom, because I love that. And they said, hey, let's do intimacy. And I went, oh, great. Yes, I can do that. And it's been good. Um, I have to be, um, so the verse that it comes from is Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So that's where the scripture comes from. And to be honest with you, as I started to prepare for this message, I realized something that wasn't really good about my own time with the Lord. And that was that I had become, um, or I had, I had taken my time with the Lord as a to-do list that needed to be checked off. And, you know, if I was to uh, plan times with my husband, and, and we were going to, you know, really make our relationship more intimate, you know, stronger, and I approached it as my to-do list that I would just check off, I mean, you know, okay, we're having dinner, check. Okay, let's talk. All right, well, we've talked about that, so check. Probably wouldn't go over real well. As a matter of fact, I know because I have done that with him before, if I'm being honest. And it doesn't go well, you know? It doesn't really build intimacy. It actually builds a a wall of, I don't really want to be with you. And so... um, so we, what we need to start with, so I'm going to talk today about what it is, what is intimacy, when we are talking about these fire values, how, uh, what, do we, what does it look like, why do we do it, and then how do we do it. So we'll start with what intimacy is. And as Pastor Anthony shared, um, I heard him share that you always have to start with a definition. So we have to start with a definition. So intimacy, I went to Webster's. And the first thing he says is, it is the state of being intimate, which I have a problem with. Because in school, they always told me when I made a definition, I couldn't use the word in the definition. So I'm like, okay, wait a second. Webster uses the word. I don't understand. So, but then the next two things that he says are this. A close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group. But then it goes on, and it's not just that relationship. It's also a close association with or detailed knowledge or deep understanding of a place, subject, or period of history. So if I'm going to be intimate with someone, with my husband, I have detailed knowledge about him. Okay, how is that 30 font? Because I put them all in 30 font. And Dan told me he changed it so that it would work at Nichols. <sighs> okay, well, I'm glad you can because I can't at all. 
All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just get it. Okay. So, so <laughs> totally sidetracked. Sorry. So to be intimate with somebody, you need to have a loving relationship, but you also have to have detailed knowledge about that person. And the famous, um, you know, how you say the word, this is how it's, you know, in the dictionary it's pronounced, but I have often heard, and I don't know if you guys have, you know, into me you see. And so many times I think, when I think about God and my relationship with him, I want to be open and honest with him. You know, into me you see. Tell him my deep, dark secrets, as if he didn't know. Um, Tell him my thoughts. But how often do we go, God, I want to see into you. What is your heart? What do you have to say? You know, I, I get caught up in my world because well, it's my world, you know, and I, I want him to, you know, tell me, you know, like what to do and how to fix this and how to fix that. And I don't, don't always turn to him and go, okay, God, what do you want to say? What is your heart? What is your perspective? And that is the challenge when we talk about intimacy, especially with our fire values, is, you know, what is your relationship with the Lord and how detailed is your knowledge of him? And the Bible um, talks about intimacy, and I just picked three, okay? It's, there's lots of places. But it talks about intimacy that we need to have with the Father and the Son. In 1 John 1, 3, it says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's, so he's talking about, you know, he already has that relationship with the Father and Son. And you're supposed to do the same. You're supposed to have a relationship with the Father and the Son. And we also know that we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2, um, 1 through 2, it says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That fellowship of the Spirit brings us into more unity. When we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we, we are brought into more unity with one another, with the Father and the Son. And we need to have it with each other. Sorry, I flipped the page. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. So that fellowship with one another is just as important, you know. That's one of the reasons that we gather here together as a church, because we want that fellowship. When we have, um, when we have a crisis arise, we want to be there for one another. We want to know what's going on in one another's lives, because that builds unity. And that, and that helps in good times and in bad. So what does it look like? What does intimacy with the Father look like? Well, and that's what I'm focusing on mostly today is focusing on intimacy with the Father. Because I, 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 I think that sometimes it's easy to recognize with one another. We understand those kind of dynamics. And sometimes, sometimes I know for me it's easier to see Jesus who's my 
Savior and my brother, but sometimes we struggle with the Father. You know, we have some misperceptions about him. So I just want to just focus on that today. And in Psalm 63, we see David who had an amazing relationship with the Father. You know, he, um, God said, you know, he was, he called after his heart. You know, he loved David. And David in Psalm 63 describes his relationship with the Lord. And it says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. You know, he earnestly searched for God. He, you know, made it a priority to look for him. You know, every day, I just know that that's, you know, it doesn't say every day, but, you know, you wouldn't have an entire book filled with majority of Psalms that David wrote if he wasn't always looking after the Lord. And then his whole body longs for him. You know, just in the deep parts of me, I long for the Lord. I, I want that. I mean, I, don't, I haven't attained that yet, but that's what I want. I want that. And then he goes on and he says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. You know, this is really talking about how he, in his sanctuary, this is a sanctuary. This church is a sanctuary. You know, he spent time worshiping the Lord, just like we did this morning. And we walk away satisfied. Okay. Okay. So we walk away satisfied. When we worship, we have an encounter with God. And then he continues. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. I lie awake thinking of you through the night. You know, I can honestly say I've done that when I've been in trouble. But I can't say that I've always done that when things have gone well. And I think that there's a key there, that we build a foundation when we're, things are going well. When we build a foundation with, with the Lord, that when we're in trouble, it's easier to get to him. It's easier to turn to him because we've built that foundation. Um, and, and then just clinging to him, you know, through the good times and the bad So why do we do this? Well, if that wasn't reason enough. (laughs) um, So why do we do it? Well, we definitely do it because we don't want religion. You know, um, it's very interesting. The last couple weeks, the, the thought of the Pharisees has come up over and over again for me. And I've read things, and it's jumped out. And, and I read this one um, commentary. And the man said, you know, what's interesting about the Pharisees is they were the leaders at that time. And they were looked at in a high regard. When we look at the Pharisees, we all automatically go, oh, those judgmental, self-righteous, you know, they were evil. They were wrong. They were whatever. 
But if you were walking with Jesus at that time, if you were one of the disciples, it would have been odd to you to have Jesus like saying the Pharisees are wrong because they were the leaders. They were the ones who were esteemed. If you were a Jew and you were following after God, they were the ones who were leading you. The problem is they lost sight of who God was. They got so caught up in the rules and regulations, and I've been there. I have done that in my Christian walk. I spent years knowing what's right and what's wrong, and I can tell all of you what you are doing right and wrong and missing how judgmental I have become, how proud I am to know, you know, the differences. And and Jesus talks in John 15, he goes on about how his command is to love one another. His whole message is love. And then he says in John 16, you know, so he's just gotten done telling this whole big thing about loving one another. And then he goes to John 16 and 2 and 3, and it says, For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service to God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. I don't want to be caught up in a place where I know religion so well that I've forgotten about the Father and I don't have a relationship with him. And then I start, you know, judging people and their lives, which I, and I know some of you have heard me share about my kids and how judgmental I had become. I didn't even realize I had become a Pharisee. I had, I had forgotten to love the father and then love his kids. Um, and so we really want to focus on a relationship. You know, um, one, of the, one of the parables that Jesus shared on was one of the Pharisees and the tax collectors. And it just highlights um, that, that for us, and that the two came into the synagogue, and Jesus said, you know, two men went up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not a robber or an evildoer or an adulterer, and I'm not even a tax collector, because they were known for skimming off the top and and, and being harsh with the people. And he goes on to say, I fast twice a week. The rule was only once. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when and that, 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 um, that motion of doing that, really showed an inner work of repentance. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You know, we don't want to exalt ourselves. We want to be humble. And we need to have that relationship with the Lord. He's the one who puts us in check. He's the one who tells us, hey, wait a second, <laughs> Kathy, you've, you've just crossed a line. But if I don't listen to him and I don't have that relationship with him, I can get caught up in religion. Is that good? Is that good? And it also brings transformation. 
And this is what we really want. We want to be transformed. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Wait a second. Sorry. We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's what we're looking for is maturity. We want to, to, to grow up. Um, and it continues and says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truths. You know, that is so true of me. You know, I, I, remember, I remember being tossed to and fro when I was first a Christian, and unfortunately for way too long, I didn't read my Bible. I didn't have my relationship with the Lord. But I knew people who did. As a matter of fact, Amber's mother was one of them. Laura was an amazing, rock-solid Christian, and I knew her well, and she loved me. I had a relationship with her. I didn't have one with the Lord. So every time something happened, I picked up the phone. Laura, what am I going to do? And she'd go, well, we need to pray. Yes, pray for me, because I couldn't even pray for myself. And this, it continued that way. I kept, I kept, I, I, I even said that to Pastor Cameron once. I said, I was just, talk about tossed to and fro. He goes, oh, you were, you know, and he had patience and he loved me. We need to, we need to have grace for those who are in our congregation and are in that place. But my point is, I don't want to stay that way. You know, I don't want to stay um, in that place where I don't, I can't even go to the Lord by myself. I want to have that solid foundation and that I won't be swayed. That when there's tricks coming or when there's a strange doctrine, you know, it's like I now I, you know, I hear somebody talking about, you know, oh, I heard this message and it was all about this. And I go, really? I don't remember that. And I can go and look in the word and God can reveal to me the truth. And not, not so I can judge that person or condemn them, but so that I don't get, fall into the trap that, that the enemy is trying to set. And then, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. That's the goal, is that we become more like Christ. You know, my, my granddaughter, um, she is um, seven and a half, she was over last weekend for the whole weekend, and we, uh, let her, we went in the pool with her, um, my husband and I. We were in the pool, and she was swimming, and she, she was all about, okay, okay, Nana, Papa, watch. You know, I'm going to do this, and then, and then oh, watch, I'm going to do this, and, and watch, I'm going to do this. And, and a little bit later, then she said, okay, now I'm going to do, uh, you know, this trick, and you rate me and tell me, am I a 6 or a 10 or whatever? And then when we'd say 8, she'd go, why? You know, um, she was absolutely adorable. I have a relationship with my granddaughter, and I love that she wanted to show me things and tell me things, but she didn't want to hear about my heart, you know, because she's little. 
And that's okay. It's totally okay for her to be, Grandma and Grandpa, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. But at some point, we need to stop doing that with the Lord and start saying, God, what do you want? What do you want? Because sometimes we get caught up in I, me, 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 and I look at my granddaughter, and yeah, I know, I would love a seventh bowl of ice cream, but you will be sick. That's not good for you. I, you know, we need to look at the Lord and go, okay, God, what is good for me? What do you want to say? And that's how we become like Christ. That's how we grow up. We still need to have a childlike faith, but we need to start growing up. And, and at the end of this, it says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That's what we need to do. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So how do we do this? Well, I would challenge you to start by reading the word. And not just as your checklist, like I did. But really read it and go, even before you start. Maybe you read one passage. Maybe it's one chapter. Maybe it's one section. And you say, God, what are you going to highlight today? And then start to read. And when it pops out, you write it down. You journal it and you say, okay, that's, that's what I hear him saying today. And journaling is a great way to really hone in those skills of hearing what the Lord is saying. Reading your Bible helps you in one way. But you also can ask him questions. And then allow, we teach on hearing God's voice. You know, if you haven't... Um, heard God's voice before, or you think you haven't, because I challenge you, I bet you have, that um, there is a way to practice that. One is by reading the, the Bible, but the other way is to um, just ask him a question, like, how do you see me? And then the first thing that you think, whether it be a picture or, um, you know, or, or just that voice in your head that you think is just your voice, write it down and keep writing. And you find that you're like, oh, you know, have you ever had that thought that's smarter than you? Have you ever had that thing that you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of that? Probably God. Okay, I'm just challenging you. That, that's probably the Lord. And we need to follow those things. And if you haven't done that and you haven't practiced that, you know, get together with somebody here at the church and say, you know, I've been writing this stuff. I don't know if, if this is really the Lord. Can you read it? What, what do you think? And just... We can encourage one another in that way. Another way we, we do it is by worshiping, um, and, and which is what we did this morning. You know, when you're worshiping the Lord, when you're doing what Mark said, whether we've, we're in rejoicing or we're coming to like, okay, God, lead us into this thing, he will come to you, and he will fill you while you're worshiping. And I've had so many, so many times where I just was desperate, desperate, one of the times my, my, um, my daughter had died, and, and I just didn't want to even come to church anymore. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't. <laughs> and I came in, and we had a, a guest minister. Her name was Ruth Fazell, and she was a, a violin player. And she came in, and, and um, 
I was, I was up in the front, and I, I just was, I was, I couldn't even sing. I fell to the ground, and I was crying, and she started playing this violin, and you know, in my mind's eye, I saw the Lord take me up to this place on this cliff, and, and it was, it, like, the music just surrounded me, and it was like it carried me there, and then it just ministered to my heart, and I, I, just, I just felt the Lord healing my heart, and it was powerful. Worship is powerful. And, and right along with worshiping is soaking. You know, it doesn't have to be only Sunday morning. It can be at your own home, you know, where you take the time to put on some worship music and you just get in a place that's comfortable. And so what if you fall asleep? The Lord can minister you, to you while you're asleep. He's not, he's not bound by your, your circumstance. He can still minister to you. Rhema words, you know, if you have never had a rhema word, you need to. Today, there'll be a rhema team. You need to go and ask and just all you have to do is say, okay, let them talk. Let them hear from the Lord and give you a word. They are powerful. And, you know, you take that word and you listen to it again. And, and, and the things that are like, I don't know, let's just shelve those. The things that resonate with you, you know, repeat them and think on them. They are good. It is a good thing. Then, once you've done those things, turn to podcasts and teachings that are out there. You know, we don't want that to be our only source. We want to have direct from me to God. You know, and I listen to podcasts and teachings, and they're great. But you can get so caught up in, I only hear God when I listen to Andy Stanley, that Andy Stanley has become who you've been intimate with and not God. So you want to make sure that you have that in perspective. And then reading books in the same way, it also brings a lot of um, light into you know, your relationship with the Lord. But I want to share with you one other way. And, and I, I was accused last week of, and it's true, I've talked about the Father's heart, and I've talked about intimacy, and talked about extending the kingdom a little bit, and so now I'm going to talk a little bit about restoration. Because it's just, you can't have one without the other. So the Lord, um, so I was having, I've, this is just recent, uh, a few weeks ago, just struggling, just having this, this uh, situation coming up, and I, I didn't know, like, what, what, where did this start, and where did this come from, and, and felt like I, I just couldn't get a grip on this. I had some anxiety, some anxiousness, and I, I just, just was like, okay, where is this coming from? So I was talking with someone, and, and I left there, and I was in my car, and I was like, God, where did this come from? I just want to be free. And immediately I got two pictures, and I was like, Oh, and they were from when I was 17. And I, and I just thought, okay, that's different. I, I didn't, I, I haven't thought about that in a long time. And so uh, I made an appointment, and I kind of was praying about it, and I felt like the Lord said, you know, I want you to get together with someone and just pray through this. And so um, I got together with a person at, um, at New Day who does some healing and restoration. We have a healing restoration team. And, and so I just, I got together with them and I said, you know, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to, you know, get free of this. There's this situation when I was 17, and I was in this room, and uh, I was a sinner. I wasn't saved. 
and I was at probably the depths of the, of the depravity that I could that I've ever been in. And uh, I realized I realized how far away from God I was, and how ashamed I felt, even though I wasn't I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I just felt shame. Because what I was doing was so awful. And, and uh, so we were praying, and, and, and the question was that I needed to ask is, where is Jesus in that room? And so in, in my mind's eye, I, just, I was like, okay, Jesus, where were you? And I saw him standing on one side of the room, and, I, and I, at first I was like, I just can't look at him. Not like this. But I know better. So I just said, okay. So I looked. And you know, Jesus was standing there and he was looking at me with love. Not shame. Not disgust. Which is what I could see. I could see my, myself in, in that place and just was disgusted. And, and Jesus was like, I just love you. And, and, and as I, I shared at the beginning, my I, I know that Jesus loved me because he gave his life for me. But sometimes I struggle with the Father, and I just said, okay, so God, where are you? And what I saw was him try to get into the room, but he's a little bigger than the room. So he just blew the room up, and he grabbed me, and he rescued me. And he said, I've wanted to rescue you. I wanted to rescue you, but you wouldn't let me. You know, that changes things for me. That changes my heart. That changes my perspective on who the Father is. That I know him and what his heart is and what his love is for me. That changes me. That draws me. That, uh, that, that picture, that moment makes me want to run to him. It makes me want to cling to him. You know, um, healing and restoration is, is um, an important part of, 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 your, of your walk with the Lord. And, and I, I, was, um, I was working on this garden at my house a couple um, earlier this summer. And so it was a garden that, um, uh, it's, it's one that I put these raspberry plants that my husband's grandmother gave him. And so they got transplanted from one house to another. And so it's kind of a big deal, but they were weeded down to like, there's four, you know, like four little ones made it. And so I put them there, but it's the whole length of the side of the house. So it's, you know, a pretty big garden. And then this lady gave me a bunch of plants and she's like, you know, hey, um, you know, I, this person had all these plants. And so I just put them in there as filler so it wouldn't, it wouldn't look really odd. And it's been about four years or three years. That thing is crazy now. Like, it is one crazy mess, this garden is. And so as I, um, as I was, was uh, okay, yeah, well, anyway, um, as I was, so, the, so I'm looking at this thing going, okay, what am I going to do with this? And it looked overwhelming to me. And I, and I felt like the Lord immediately showed me, this garden is like your heart. You know, that there's some good stuff in there. And then there's some stuff that's not so great. 
and it looks overwhelming, but I don't want you to focus on the rest of it. I want you to focus on right here. And I'll point out what I want you to get rid of in my heart. And so here's this thing that I put there that he says, "Mm, it's not so good. And that was my concept of God being this judgmental, I don't love you, you know, I just want to punish you. I want to pull that one out. And then there's this, this weed that comes in that I didn't put there, but the enemy throws in there for fun. And he says, you know what, let's get rid of that one too. And he goes along, and as you go along, you realize, oh, you know, and I got to the end, and I thought, oh, it's great. Well, it's been about six weeks. And I went back out there. There's more stuff in there. Like, what the heck? I already took care of this. And I think sometimes we look at H&R that way. We go, I already did that, God. He says, yeah, not quite done yet. Let's, let's get rid of a couple more things. Let's get, let's, let's get your heart in. But if you don't have that relationship with him, if you don't have that trust built up, you won't allow him to do that. And you'll be, like I was, a hot mess, tossed to and fro, every wind of circumstance blowing through, calling Mark, Mark, I don't know what to do. Mark, I don't know what to do. We want to be able to go to God and say, God, what do you want us to do? Is that good? Would you guys stand with me? I just want to pray. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that you you want to heal us up. But more importantly, you want to have a relationship with us. You want to know us, but you want us to know you. That we wouldn't be caught in religion, but we would be caught in a relationship with you. That when we spend time with you, it's not a checklist, but it's a, 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 mm, an intimate wellspring of love. I just see that that the time with the Lord would be like a refreshing to your soul. That it would be times of refreshing so that you could do the things that you need to do in your day. So that you can love the people who seem unlovable. You can have grace for those that are hard in your life. That God wants to do that for you. And just in this place right now, Father, you know, if you you need to repent because you've made him a checklist, now would be the time to do that. You don't have to do it out loud, but you just, you know, in your heart, just say, you know, Father, forgive me for not making you a priority. Help me to learn how to make you a priority. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Yeah. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen.